In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, by way of recap from last week, the gospel is preached and heard in the church by the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit is like the wireless transmitter that gives power and wisdom to impart the truths of the gospel and the Holy Spirit in those who hear is like the wireless microphone receiver that discerns and understands and, well, receives the secret wisdom of God for our salvation. Both on my part as a steward of God's mysteries and on your part as the people called together by the gospel, what happens here happens by the Holy Spirit's power. But here's the issue in this final sermon from 1 Corinthians, and we're in 1 Corinthians 3 today. You can follow along with the text on the back of your service folder if you'd like. Our sin remains a perennial problem, doesn't it? We're often forgetful. We're often wayward. We're often immature in the faith. And we heard this from our other lectionary texts, from Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 20. We very quickly turn away from the way of life that is illuminated to us by God's word, his commands, his instructions, its blessing, and its life if we do those. But our hearts quickly turn away from God's way and we go our own way and that way leads to death. And in Matthew chapter five, Jesus makes it clear that God's law is supremely demanding. It's not just literal murder or adultery that we have to avoid in order to not be guilty of breaking the commandments. It's the very beginnings of those things in their infant stages within our own hearts. That's enough to produce a guilty verdict in God's courts. We heard it in the propers of today's liturgy. We prayed today in the collect of the day, Lord, we know we justly suffer the consequences of our sin. What was that? Ladybug? Yikes. We justly suffer the consequences of our sin and of our foolishness. And yet we pray, Lord, still deliver us in your goodness. Yeah, I see that laughter. It's all right. We'll make it. We'll make it through. And in the intro that I chanted right after the baptism, we see that there is hope, right? So far, everything has been, we're forgetful, we're wayward. (laughs) God offers us life, but we choose death. God offers us blessing, but we choose the curse because we want to have things our way. But here's the hope. Our God announces his victory and reveals his righteousness to every nation. We chanted that. Right at the outset of the service of the world, uh, service of the word, the Lord has made known his salvation. He doesn't hide it from us. He still makes it known to us today. Here's the main point from our final sermon in 1 Corinthians, at least for a while. When we let our sinful nature have free reign, we demonstrate that we are immature in the faith. We can't take the solid food. We can't progress in the faith. We can't uh, we can't mature more into Christ-likeness when we let our sin rule. We starve ourselves of the spirit-imparted wisdom that is offered to us freely in God's word, but the gospel of Christ crucified for us offers us a life in the spirit where we grow out of jealousy and we grow out of envy and quarrels and divisions in the church and we grow into grace and truth and love and forgiveness for each other. Divisions like those that the Corinthians were forming in their church demonstrate that for all of their giftedness and their stature and their pride of place and their, you know, New York or L.A. 
Amsterdam or London type city that they were in, Corinth, mighty Corinth, they were spiritual infants. They were not ready for solid food with all of its varied textures and flavors. And, you know, as a parent of young kids, this is like right kind of forefront in my mind. Solid food. That's a, that's a big deal for a little baby when you move from, you know, that like rice cereal stuff or whatever it's going to be to solids. And so that's why St. Paul said, my preaching was plain and it was unadorned with wisdom and it was straightforward because you weren't able to handle anything more than that. Friends, when we are controlled by our sinful nature, we get jealous of one another. What's true for the Corinthians is true for us. We, we quarrel with one another. We say things like, um, I'm not going to attend this event because I think so-and-so might be there. Or I don't want to serve on this committee or on this guild because I can't get along with this person. I hope I don't end up accidentally sitting next to them in church because there's some kind of bad blood or something between us. Or I like that new pastor that they got there, so I'm going to start going to church again. Or I'm not really jiving with that pastor, so I'm going to stop going to church. Are these things not evidence of jealousy and quarrels and division within the church? You can nod your heads. They are. And um, Paul, in order to, the antidote he gives to the Corinthians is the same antidote that he gives to us. He, and he uses the image of farming. Get that, right? Out here in God's country. The picture is farming. This is how we get past this. When we're controlled by the spirit, we understand that the church is like a field and that pastors, commissioned ministers, lay leaders are like hired hands. And some of us have the assignment to cultivate. Some of us have the assignment to plant or to water or to fertilize or, you know, make, walk the fields and make sure the geese don't, you know, wreak havoc on the crop. But God is the farmer who owns the field. God, by the spirit within us, is the one who gives the growth. And God is the one who is entitled to the harvest when that day comes at Jesus' return. When we're controlled by the spirit, our immaturity gives way to spirit-wrought maturity. We're given power and grace to do this uncomfortable work of reconciling, where we own our sins against each other, where we cover our divisions with love for each other, and we forgive as we have been forgiven. In the Lord's Prayer, you notice that? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does that mean when you can't forgive someone who's trespassed against you when you pray the Lord's Prayer? God, forgive me like I, forgive that, like I forgave that person. Sometimes that's challenging. When we're controlled by the Spirit, we understand that God is the one who gives the growth. Not Pastor Grant, not Miss Leanne, not, not anyone else. It's God, the Spirit. And so... Instead of saying, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, like the Corinthians did, we're all united in this ancient confession of the church, I follow Christ. And we get this power through our baptism into Jesus. Remember that for Paul, the thing that he keeps coming back to is the crucifixion of Jesus for us. From last week's sermon, Paul said, I decided to know nothing among you, 
except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the foundation upon, upon which his entire ministry is built. That's it. Jesus Christ and him crucified for us. His death on the cross is the historical event by which Jesus became to us. Now, this is back from the week before that. See, we're kind of rewinding. We're working our way back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians. Paul says at the end of chapter 1 that Jesus became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So what that Jesus dies on the cross? What's, what's the big deal? Some, some guy crucified by the Romans? Paul says that is how he became your redemption and your salvation and your wisdom. That's how he makes you holy. And you don't participate in that by praying, you know, 48 hours a day and, you know, volunteering in all kinds of different ways. We don't earn it by our piety. We participate in it through our baptism into Jesus. In his letter to the Roman church, Paul says this, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Our baptism that we just saw for little Kelby unites us to the work that Christ did so that his death is our death. His resurrection is the promise of our resurrection. We gather weekly to remember our baptism by invoking the triune name right at the outset of our service in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We confess our sins. We hear God's absolution pronounced. We sing God's praises. We hear his word to us from the entire scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Gospels, Epistles. We feast on the Son's own body and blood for the strengthening of our faith and the preservation of our souls and bodies to everlasting life. Friends, simply put, we come here to get worked on by God. To be cultivated or to have the seed of the word planted or to be watered or to be fertilized. We come here to receive from God by the Holy Spirit's power. Where you're jealous of others, the Holy Spirit gives you release from comparisons and insecurity. Where you're envious of others, the Holy Spirit gives you contentment and peace in God's provision and love for you. Where you're ruled by sin, the Holy Spirit restores your conscience and strengthens you to love and to serve your neighbor. And then when we're done with this every week, what do we do? We go on out to live the lives that God has called us to. Some of us farmers, some of us mechanics, some of us are nurses. We work in the private sector, in the public sector. And I specifically want to mention one group today, and this is my eighth grade confirmation class. I want to talk to you for a second. And if you're not here now, you can listen later. You might be thinking lately, because we've just turned the corner into the home stretch toward confirmation. Do I really know the catechism? Do I know enough? Am I going to pass the exam? Am I going to make it? It's a, it's a daunting thing. Have I forgotten what I learned? Is everything going to turn out all right? And let me just say to you, yes, you do know it. Yes, everything's going to be okay. Yes, you will make it. We are all forgetful. Look around. Everyone in this room. We're all forgetful. And if we think we aren't, well, God's word says otherwise. We're forgetful. We turn away from God's word and from God's blessing and goodness for us. And so we weekly, sometimes more than weekly in the season of Lent that we're about to begin, we come here to get recalibrated, reoriented. We're reminded of what's good and true. We're reminded of God's love for us. 
And to the eighth graders, we all see the growth that God has given in your lives. Your parents see it. Your siblings see it. You might have to twist your arm to get your siblings to admit it. But yes, your siblings see it. Miss Leanne sees it. I see it. God, the Holy Spirit, continues to give growth to you and to all of us. And I want to say one final word about this growth from God that moves us out of immaturity into maturity day by day in the church. Sometimes you might know that something is going on. You might feel like, whoa, something's happening here. Last week, it was me crying in the back when the kids were singing. Was that just last week? I can't even remember now. It was so powerful. If I were a butterfly, I thank you, God, for giving me wings. Sometimes it's a line from a song. Sometimes it's, a, it's something from a hymn that we sing. Sometimes it's, you know, what, what Maggie plays for the offering music. Every, you know, once in a blue moon, it might be something that I say in a sermon. Something hits you and you're aware something's happening here. This is what I needed. This is good. You're aware that there's cultivating or planting, you know. The machines are in the field. Work is being done, right, if we're God's field and he's the farmer. But remember that, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really a greenhorn when it comes to farming. But I think I've got this principle down. There are inputs, right? There are things that we do. Um, cultural practices. But growth happens even without some of those things. Jesus said, when he was, you know, he was talking about the lilies in the field, he said, look, they, they don't do any work. And God clothes them with glory and splendor. You know, grass grows all kinds of places. Lamb's quarters grows, like, I mean, with no work from us, right? All of our work is trying to pull that stuff out of the ground. Growth happens sometimes to our frustration, whether we like it or not. Your growth in the spirit happens when you're aware of it, but it doesn't stop happening when you're not aware of it anymore. Okay, be encouraged by this. There is growth happening when all the hired hands are sleeping. Things that we can't see under the ground, things that we can't see within the plant. Growth continues. Growth continues in you on Sunday mornings and on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all throughout your week and all throughout your life. The Holy Spirit continues to give growth because he loves you and he loves to make you more like Jesus. He loves to make you like Jesus. The Jesus who redeemed you according to the Father's will. It began with, with God. This whole thing was God's idea and it continues now by God's power and it will be finished by God on the great day of our Lord's return. And so we rightly sang just now songs of thankfulness and praise, Jesus, Lord, to thee we raise. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.